This time on episode 475 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talk the first episode of the 2023 Disney Plus show, Secret Invasion, titled Resurrection. And we talk weekly Marvel news, including the death of John Romita Sr., legendary Marvel artist. Yes, Secret Invasion's opening credit scene is AI made, and Spider-Verse artists say working on the sequel was death by a thousand paper cuts. I'm Chris Farrell from the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast, a wacky weekend morning show, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out right now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. And now it's time for your scheduled debriefing. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. I'm Agent Chris. You think? And I'm producer of the show, Director SP, wondering who I really have with me this week. Welcome to Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a Marvel Comic Universe fan show. We discuss everything Marvel Cinematic and Marvel Comic Book Universes as told on screen by Marvel Studios and other studios that also do Marvel. This show is recorded on Saturday, June 24th, 2023, live from the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. studios and broadcast saber-wide. Come and join our live chats as we record. And if you didn't already catch on to it, we love talking about Marvel. Because you're a scroll, and you're a scroll, and you're a scroll. Everybody's a scroll. If you'd like to find out whether or not we are scrolls, you might be able to get a hint at our website, legendsofshield.com. If you think your annoying neighbor is a scroll, please call us at 844-THE-BUS-1. That's 844-843-2871, and we'll take care of that problem for you. You can talk about your paranoia on Facebook, and you can find us at Legends of Shield Podcast. You can send us your favorite gifts from the episode at our Twitter, at Legends of Shield. If you just want to feed everyone's paranoia, go film everybody that you think is a scroll, or not, you know, whatever. But make sure you tag us at youtube.com slash geek. You can join our lengthy discussions about the episode and our paranoia on our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. And remember, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a proud member of the gunnageek.com network. Woohoo! We're back. We're talking a new episode, a new series on Disney Plus in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Secret Invasion. I'm excited to get some stuff off my chest. How about you guys? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a great way to put it. All right. Here we go. Secret Invasion, one of those special mini series on Disney Plus, premiered on Disney Plus June 21st, 2023, with episode one, Resurrection. We're going to be talking some of the cast that we have selected, at least for this episode. There'll probably be more. As things progress, we're going to start with Michelle. Olivia Coleman. What can you say about her? She makes everything better, no matter what it is, whether it is this series or any sort of movie. She brings, she has, she can do dramatic, can she can do comedic. She, everything from broad church where it was very serious she was also you know queen elizabeth on the crown and now we get her here i'm just so happy that she is able to just do all these things and enjoy her her career ever since she won the oscar she just i think she's just really enjoyed a lot more being able to do whatever she wants Okay, so we're coming to me next. Since we all know everything about Sam Jackson, I would like to talk about Ben Mendelsohn, who plays Talos. Talos? 
I think it's Talos, but you're right. It might be Talos. Like, I've heard it both ways, and I've always said Talos, but whatever. Ben Mendelsohn, who has 93 acting credits, with a few pending, since 1984, including the movie Sirens, which gave young Lauren feelings that she did not understand an episode of Farscape, an amazing series. Small part in The Dark Knight Rises, and then he started getting more stuff with things like Rogue One, Ready Player One, Captain Marvel, obviously. He's done a bunch of voice acting and things like Infinity Train and returning as Krennic in The Bad Batch. So, yeah, it's always good to see him. And I wanted to talk about Amelia Clark because most people will know her from that show that was pretty popular recently about chairs and weapons and stuff and dragons. But it surprises me. I thought this was the first thing I'd actually seen her in, but it's not because she was also in one episode of Futurama, some episodes of Robot Chicken, Thunderbirds are Go. What I have to assume is a lifetime Christmas movie called Last Christmas, which I'm sure SP knows all about. But I think she just did a really good job in this one, kind of straddling that line between I want to take care of my family and I want to take care of the cause that I believe in. It was a nice touch to everything in this episode. I want to talk about some of the actors in here. First of all, the pair of Colby Smolders and Martin Freeman. I think bringing them back into this in slightly different manners really set the stage in addition to the scrolls of this being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Without this, this is almost entirely foreign and having Colby Smolders and Martin Freeman in here was great. And I want to talk about the opening scene performance by Richard Dormer with Agent Prescott. That was yes. amazing. So the first time I saw that, you know, the five minute sneak peek, I'm like, this guy is so familiar. So, yeah, Richard Dormer previously starred, well, not really starred, but had a big part in some of the later seasons of Game of Thrones, which, you know, also had Amelia Clark. And on a performance that I have really mixed feelings about, he was also Sam Vimes in the show The Watch, which Vimes is one of my favorite characters in one of my favorite book series ever, but that show was not it. But he's still a really good actor. So. It was a one and done in the MCU where he just had that one scene, but I think he really pulled it off as, as the insightful intelligence analyst or agent or whatever you want to call it, that just was there to do the conspiracy theory. And the one person he trusted was the one person that the scrolls were able to tap into. And uh, we're not going to see any more of him in the MCU, I don't think, but We'll see. An amazing one performance that he had. I don't remember if we talked about it on air, but I would like to point out that I called it. Right. No, I think we said that we all think we know what's happening, but none of us actually called it. So, yeah, I think we all were thinking what was we happening in that it. scene. Yeah, well, we we'll go with it. that. We'll go with that. Michelle, what is the description of what we just watched? Nick Fury learns of a clandestine inv invasion of Earth by scrolls. All right, Chris, first thoughts. Nobody is dead anymore, but everybody can be dead now. And I don't know what to believe watching this. And I think I'm on the same page as the writers here, because what is happening? So the performances have all been great so far. I'm just kind of highly disappointed with the plot. Yeah, are the terrorists the Flag Smashers? Because this feels like a recycled antagonist. I was with the whole thing until the very last scene. And then I was like, uh, I'm kind of out. <laughs> but we'll, be, we'll continue watching this. But yeah, I was like, okay, so they're doing a spy thriller. Okay, can get into it. Some of the things didn't make sense. We'll talk about them as we go along. But I was like, at the very end, like, you did what? <laughs> Okay, so we're going to start a discussion as everybody had this strong desire to go watch Captain Marvel right after we saw this. 
I didn't get a chance, but I know some of you did. I watched it before. Okay. I had to watch it after. I didn't realize I was going to have to do homework to watch Secret Invasion. But for those of you who need to have a recap, in Captain Marvel, the scrolls are accused of infiltrating civilizations and taking them over by the Kree. At the beginning, we think the Kree are the good guys. Carol got memories back with the scroll mind machine, which means the Earth scrolls got parts to recreate that machine in that one scene that we, you know, we learn how they infiltrate and pretend to be human. We learned that Creed destroyed the scroll homeworld and the scrolls have been refugees. The scrolls, all they need is a new home. Marvell kept the scrolls on her ship. Carol says she's going after the Cree and ending the lies and we'll be back to help find a, a home for the scrolls. And remember, she gives Fury the pager. So for 30 years, they haven't been given a home. They don't have a really good place to live. They are a group of refugees who have been forgotten by the people who promised to help them. I am not justifying violence, but I understand their point of view. Because when they say we've been abandoned, after you, you rewatch Captain Marvel, yes, they have indeed been abandoned. I'm sure that you can come up with a huge list of populations that this could potentially be a metaphor for. And yeah, you could send them to go live in North Dakota. Who lives in North Dakota? You could send them to go live in Siberia. Kind of the same thing. There's giant areas. Like you've gotten so many places that you could say, hey, live here. And even if it's just a temporary thing, it's at least a place for them to have a temporary thing. And it's like, how do you just tell people? Well, I, I know how you tell people that for years and years that they don't deserve a place to live. It's called People Suck. Chris, I just want you to be a little bit careful because in North Dakota, there's a bunch of indigenous people that really still hold on to that land. So, well, different spot in North Dakota then. I don't know. I just pulled up a place that I know has giant areas of open land. Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah. Go there. Well, I think you also have the same problem there, but okay. Yeah, there, there are places to put people, but Michelle, your point is well taken. What is another refugee group that we've seen embraced by the planet in the MCU as guardians? Yep. Yeah, they have a tourist city. That not only have been welcomed, but people go see them and they, you know, the amusement park and the rides and that sort of stuff. And they're ingrained with the Avengers, probably because of Thor being one of the Avengers, but they're ingrained in there. And the scrolls are just like, eh. Off to the side. So there's a lot to be said there about. I don't know if I'm overthinking this or if the writers actually did put this much thought into it. But so one of the things that I noticed when I was watching this show is there are a lot of both said and unsaid things about race and ethnicity going on. Like, you know, you have that scene of Nick Fury going to walk out in Moscow and they're like, you're going to stand out. And, you know, you see people reacting to him and it's, are they scrolls or are they just racist? And I noticed there's a whole lot whenever we see scrolls in human form. For the most part, unless it's, you know, this one group of people, they tend to be able to they're they're very coded as you know people of color and i was thinking you know if you could be anybody why would you hide somewhere as like basically a second class citizen wouldn't you want to become one of the ruling class well if they're refugees and this was you know before earth new aliens were a thing what better place to hide out than with other refugee communities because it's a real, oh, this is why I don't understand the culture thing. 
but the Asgardians, yeah, they have survived by basically becoming a tourist attraction, which there are a lot of contemporary cultures that have basically survived by, you know, monetizing their existence. Whether it's casinos on Native American land or, you know, you have groups putting on festivals like when I was a kid. We used to go to the Czech Fest in Corpus Christi. There's, you know, the Vietnamese festivals in Houston. And, you know, it's, it's a thing. And then you have the Skrulls who are hiding. Their whole thing is, we have been hiding for 30 years because... So it has to sting to see this other alien refugee population who just gets to be out there loud and proud while they have been forced into hiding. Lauren brought up a good point on the place of hiding, Chris. Did you ever watch the Netflix series, special series, whatever it was called, Chernobyl? That was on HBO. Oh, okay. HBO. You did not. It's so good. Everybody that I've heard that has watched it has really enjoyed it and been scared basically after they watch it, which I can imagine having lived through it when it was actually happening, not understanding it, but getting more information along the way. But that is where they're hiding out in places like that. So no human really wants to be around there. Yeah, we find out that scroll biology means that they're resistant to radiation or at least this type of radiation. So that's where they're hanging out. And of course, that is a huge clue as to how they are attempting, how they are going to attempt to wipe out Earth's native population and replace it with their own. Which, by the way, replacement theory as the bad guy's motive, that is tremendously irresponsible right now. There's a lot of, there are a lot of writing decisions. That I do not agree with on this show. I know having that sort of mentality is something I expect to see in TV shows from 20 years ago. Do you think that they used it to bring up the point? Because Disney and Marvel tend to do that. Disney and Marvel tend to bring up a thing and then at the last second back off from actually making a statement and then we get oh both sides are bad and both sides are good yeah michelle what do you think of their slogan home in my own skin i understand that this is in the united states i don't know where our listeners are listeners are are everywhere probably in the united states right now it's pride month and obviously there's a lot of conversations about gay rights transgender rights, being able to express your authentic self and championing it. So yes, they want to be able to walk around as themselves. That's the thing about as guardians, as guardians look like us, scrolls don't, which brings up to my mind World War II and how we treated our German citizens as opposed to our Japanese and Japanese, this, you know, Amer- Japanese American individuals. Gee, which one got put in camps? Are the Japanese, Japanese American ones? Yeah, this is something that we talked about it in Falcon and Winter Soldier with the flag smashers and trying to understand what happened with the blip. And here we go again with post blip stuff. Were any of the scrolls blipped? We don't know. It would have been, you know, not every single thing has to be post-blip. It would be interesting. And maybe a couple of these series took place like during the blip, like a little like, it's been a year. We have no heroes. We need someone to step up and we get Ironheart or we get Hawkeye or something just to show us what life was like during the blip instead of having these storylines where they have to do a lot of exposition of this is what our life's been like in in the blip post blip because apparently fury's got 
post-blip trauma as well. Because he was blipped. We have to remember he was blipped. And because they mentioned that again, his post-trauma and everything. So, yeah, this is, you know, yes, we, we want them to be comfortable in their own skin. It's a great subject to be explored. But in this way, using story techniques from just other series that I could just list off right now. And then we have real world things as well. I hope they get a lot more delicate and a lot more thoughtful as the series goes on. Fingers crossed. As far as Fury goes, I think I might be mistaken because I'm not a Fury expert, but I think what I'm seeing on screen is that his main motivation is loss of control. So he's blipped. He had no control over that. And he came back and then he was at the table with Talos and Hill and they were talking about the obliteration of humans. He, he stood right up at that, right? And those two kind of moments and mentalities with him just tells me that he does not like being out of control. And in both those cases, it's out of control. Like I said, might be out of bounds there, but I think that's a key driving factor in his character. I think you're absolutely correct. So again, some really great performances. Sam Jackson as Nick Fury. You know, everybody, first of all, I am convinced that he is, you know, they're like, oh, he walks with a limp now. I'm convinced he is Willy Wonkaing that. Because first we see he's, oh, he's walking around just plain as day. And Olivia Coleman's like, oh, you're losing your touch. I mean, the old Nick Fury would never have done this. And of course, it's a ploy to put a listening slash watching device on one of her clocks. And with the scrolls, when they're talking about they're like, oh, yeah, now he walks with a limp. He can barely see out of his good eye. He's controlling how people see him. He is controlling that narrative. If people underestimate you, then you can get away with a lot more as we see from him bugging Olivia Coleman's office. I also, I wanted to get y'all's opinion. Did it really seem for a big chunk of that episode that they were making it seem like, but what if Nick Fury's a scroll? With the initial scene, you had to go into it thinking who is a scroll and who's not, because you don't know. Oh, speaking of initial scenes, I loved that his appearance was a callback to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, yeah. When he actually dropped down. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was pretty good. And it's not just Close Encounters of the Third Kind. There, there's all sorts of alien abduction scenes in, in different things. I'm trying to remember Fire in the Sky, I think it is. I think that's which was proven to be false. But that was the oh, narrative yeah. that they were they were doing. I mean, I, at this point, I think everybody's a scroll. So <laughs> it's yeah. a good standpoint to have. Chris, I have a question for you, because I think you're thinking the same way that I am. Is that could you come into this show and and as an entry point? And I don't think you can. I think they went far, far into the no. You need to know what's going on, not only with the MCU, but also comics. Yeah, this is not where you want to start somebody at all. At the super minimum, you have to watch Captain Marvel. But then, of course, you get into what movies you have to watch before you watch Captain Marvel. And it's crazy. I mean, even getting into the comic stuff, they're kind of taking this very far into the MCU exits of the comic storylines. I haven't read Secret Invasion for a long time, but I know that this is not like the anime version of something where they're sticking to the manga and going pretty close this is oh hey we have secret invasion here's our one or two things that are like it and we're just going to do our thing which is fine those both have their place but you can't really read the comics to get up on where you are either it's like you know that kree are aliens that are seen as bad you know scroll are aliens that are seen as bad you know nick fury is nick fury other than that like this is not a good place to jump in at all and speaking of storylines from that are very of their time the scrolls in the comic secret invasion were religious extremists and 
again, that was very much of the the Patriot Act era of uh, paranoia. One of the characters that came in, I don't remember seeing her, Sonya, I don't remember seeing her or having her referred to at all in the MCU up to now. I know Fury has, the character has his roots in the Cold War and would have had interactions with Sonya. I'm guessing Sonya was in the comics. I don't remember ever reading about her, but that is just one key player. You're like, who is she exactly? What are we doing here? Why is Fury so both familiar with her and playing her at the same time? That sort of thing. It just wasn't explained well. Oh, I agree. That was something I definitely wanted to know too, because like, I don't know if just from watching this, if she's supposed to be like a, you're the enemy of my enemy. So we're working together or if it's somebody who he had been friendly with before, and then they just had a falling out or what, like it matters with how you're contextualizing the scene. Sonia Fallsworth, by the way, is not a comics character. She is created for the show. Okay. I do like that. They're bringing in all these descendants of the howling commandos because her presumably father was Montgomery Fallsworth, who, you know, in the comics is also Union Jack. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the British guy with the little mustache from Captain America, First Avenger. That is presumably her dad. That is all we really know. I almost thought she was MI6, but I, I don't think know. she's supposed to be. I thought she was KGB, but I don't know. From what I keep seeing, I keep seeing, oh, who is this character? They keep saying MI6. Uh, okay. They don't have her talking with a Russian accent, so not KGB. Okay. <laughs> See, that's another thing that I guess I missed. I watched it the second time, and the second time I heard a bunch of MI6 stuff, which would make sense with Martin in there. But I just, I lost track of it because it's they're in Russia, right? And they're doing all Russia stuff. And that brings up into play, Michelle, something that you've mentioned about what exactly is the status of the entire world, right? It, there's a dichotomy in the MCU of where the world stands right now. I brought up, you know, Falcon and Winter Soldier, people at war, all of this political strife. And then we had Ant-Man Quantumadium, where Ant-Man's just walking along, taking selfies with people, you know, pick, you know, hey, take a picture with my dog. Sure. I'm an author and just being able to sit there and be all like fun and cool. And so where are we? Did Ant-Man just, we're, the war is so far away from us. We're just denying it or, or what? Like what? Just what? I mean, I think our society has proven that we're able to deny things pretty well. That's very true. And then you have the scene with the president and with Rhodey, like what, what the heck it fury is up there helping you. Did you put him up on saber just to get him out of the way? Is that what you did? And I thought fury would still even. I'm having trouble verbalizing this because he is still helping out in his way. He's not necessarily hiding out. He's up there in Saber because he knows the biggest threat to the Earth is external at this point. They've seen the broader universe, and they know they need to play with the broader universe. So Saber is it. That's where Nick Fury is at. So why does him coming back to Earth rate the attention of a conversation between Rhodey and the president? Agreed. Yeah, we don't know. I mean, if I had to guess, it would be because... Oh, Nick Fury still has all those connections. Nick Fury still has all these people loyal to him. What if he's coming back to do some sort of coup? But again, we don't get that. Chris, you found an Easter egg that, quite frankly, I wasn't tracking. And I think it's very important to bring up, especially on this podcast, going back to the origins of this show. So, Chris, what did you, you sent us a text. Tell everybody what was in that text. First off, that text was in Portuguese, so that's where I was finding a lot of the news. The, the only reason I mentioned that is because like the first 20 times I saw it was all people from Brazil, but we had a kind of semi-quake sighting in this episode, 
it was on a wanted poster kind of thing. But they are acknowledging that she exists, which means that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of tertiarily super canon in the MCU now. I mean, you, you can't back off of that. And that was a decision that had to have been consciously made to be putting these posters up. So I had wanted to, you know, pause and see if I could get a look at what some of those things are, because I really love set design. But I can't decide whether it feels like the set design in this is incredibly subtle or incredibly lazy. Because that could be, I don't know if that's a, a hint to Quake or if it's a, well, we already have this mocked up and we're apparently not paying artists, so just use what we have. I feel like either's likely and it really annoys me. I have to assume this stuff would have rolled by Kevin, though, or somebody high enough in the chain to where they would have said, hey, use somebody else. It could be a conscious decision of acknowledging it and that it is part of the MCU and Kevin has decided never to go there again. I still, to this day, think that's what his decision is. I know a lot of people will discuss this with me. I I won't say argue, discuss this with me. We've had discussions on the show, on social media and that sort of stuff. I don't think Kevin is going to go into the well of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Kevin Feige or K-E-V-I-N, Kevin, I don't think either really wants to do that for a variety of reasons. I think that's a disservice to the show, and I think it's a disservice to the actor, but I think that's where we're at. Now, if this does lead to something else, I'm all for it. But we have had things that have popped up in news stories on cell phones before and in newspapers that were just passing mentions and never were brought up again in the MCU. So this could be that. It could be something for the future. I'm betting on not. That's just my assessment. And as this podcast is often said, I'm often wrong. So real quick, we mentioned Martin Freeman a bit ago. Did anybody else just start laughing when he tried to make that jump and just smacked into the building as a flop to the ground. It's very meet Joe Black. I was not expecting it, and I just started cackling. I mean, the fights in here were pretty good. The fight that Fury and Talos had with the scroll, that was pretty good. The fact that Fury shot the scroll, you could tell the tension between Talos and Fury over that, because Talos wants to save all his people, right? And Fury's like, he was attacking us. This is an enemy. We need to kill him. So not all is good, even with the allies that are there, even though they have strong relations between them. All right. I think we've reached the point where we need to talk about that ending. The ending where Maria Hill was shot by the scroll Fury in the chest, bled out, and is no longer breathing, which indicates she is dead. Now, we've seen Coldy Smolders in a trailer for the Marvels. So, does the Marvels happen before this? Or is this another red herring, literally and figuratively, about Coldy Smolders or Maria Hill's death in the square? The whole time it was zooming out, I was waiting for the face reveal. We didn't get that, at least not yet. I get wanting to start off a show with the whole, you know, oh, anything can happen. We saw it with Game of Thrones, I mean, kind of quite successfully there, but it's like they've been building up Maria Hill a lot over the past few shows, movies, and this just felt incredibly unceremonious. If this indeed sticks, I think it is a grave disservice to both the character and the actor, and it pisses me off, to be honest with you. So. Hopefully she comes back. If she doesn't, I I don't. This is, to me, very similar to our beloved, my beloved, Agent Carter, Sharon Carter, and what the MCU did with her afterwards. I am not liking what they did with either character, and I'm hoping that they self-correct both, but I don't know if you can come back from this. If indeed she did die, it's like, of course it's comics. You can come back, but really? In a meaningless way, 
there's no stakes here for us. It's just some terrorist that happens to be an alien scroll. It's just some terrorist that kills her. She fought in, you know, the big battle in New York. She's handled threats far graver than this. And then to layer out on the, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. The fact that this is so early, I think, is the problem and possibly the only reason why I'm not fully on board with you right now. Because there is still a lot of time in the show for them to either, I mean, I'll just say there's a lot of time for them to fix it one way or another. I don't know how they can, though. Tahiti. (laughs) Yeah, it is a magical place. There you go. Yep. Maybe that's how we're getting Sky or Daisy in. Yeah, for her to take Maria there. I could see that. Yeah. Maybe she heals and we find out she's like Wolverine. So instead of Wolverine, Maria Hill is is like Wolverine and instead. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It makes me not want to watch further. I, of course, am going to be watching further. But that scene, I was like, nope, I'm out. If that was me watching other other series that I don't podcast on, I wouldn't have continued. It's like the the shoot the dog moments, right? Yeah. Which, talking about that, I've seen the first two John Wick movies now. Oh. Yep. I got the third one on tap for tonight. So, Excellent. Third is probably my least favorite. It's not bad. It's just... The other two have that. like more. I still need to see four. I've heard two is many favorites and four is people's second favorite. So I'll get there eventually. So one thing that ties in with what Michelle was saying about what is the world like right now that I forgot to bring up earlier. At the end, when they're at the, the Unity Day Festival, There are a lot of people in various national costumes there. And this is one of those things where I'm like, okay, is, you know, the set design actually secretly brilliant? Are they giving thought into this? Because if you look at those national costumes, I can recognize like Mongolia, Russia, Ukraine, possibly Bulgaria, possibly Bosnia, a couple of others that I didn't get a good enough look at to kind of start trying to identify. But This is a region right now that is extremely, extremely fraught, particularly, you know, Russia and Ukraine. So are we to believe that, yes, people have, in fact, conquered all of their ethnic and national tensions because now there's aliens? Or, like, what are we to gather from this? I don't know. The commercialization of society and culture so that somebody can make money. Also that. All right. Anything else for this episode, Michelle? Got anything else? No. It's just another one of Michelle's probably going to complain about the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. And then Seems hopefully, to be a pattern. It, it hopefully <laughs> it gets better. And the fourth one. Let's see if let's see if Michelle's pattern. I think this is the first one that I am a hundred percent on board with you. In the past, I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Uh, yeah, definitely this. Chris, anything else? I really want to see where episode two goes. This by itself, having the whole week to stew on it afterwards, and you can't watch anything else. It's like normally if we're watching something, I don't watch ahead of where we're talking about. But this time, I mean, I'm full on with the internet. Like this is all that there is right now. And we're having a whole week to stew on this. And the more I think about it, the more it's, if this wasn't Marvel, if I didn't have this big old track record of they've been able to make things work, would I keep watching it? And I honestly don't know. And we'll see after episode two, because a lot of series, what they'll do is they'll give like the first two or three episodes out right away, and then they'll slow roll the rest of them, right? And we'll see after we watch episode two and three, if this turns out to be one of those. Like after episode two, we're like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. Uh, Judging by their track record, I don't think that's what's going to happen. So we'll see. Uh, Lauren, 
I want to like this show. I love so many of the actors on it. I love political thrillers. We're getting Nick Fury being a spy. But it's not clicking for me. And I don't know how much of that is me being... First of all, I came in soured by the opening credits thing, which we'll talk about in the news. And then, like I said, I was basically on my last nerve when I watched it. I was in a good mood. Like, I watched it immediately after watching wrestling. That was an amazing show. So I was in a great mood. I should have been incredibly receptive to like a thing. And I want it to course correct. I want it to turn out to be a good nuanced look at a complicated situation. But I'm not holding out hope. So next episode, we're going to talk about Cobra Kai seasons one through five. And we're going to go right into that. No, no, no. Next time, we're going to talk about Secret Invasion episodes two and three. If you want to talk about Cobra Kai, come to our Discord server at getageek.com slash Discord. I'll be happy to have a discussion with you over there. In the meantime, we got some news picked out for you. So here we go. So in our first story, Spider-Verse artists are saying that working on the sequel was like a death by a thousand paper cuts. Four crew members say animators were hired in the spring of 2021, and they sat idle for anywhere from three to six months that year while Lord tinkled with the movie in the layout stage and the first 3D representation of the storyboards are created. And these individuals say that, you know, because of all that waiting, they were sitting there afterwards when they actually got to work on things 11 hours a day seven days a week for more than a year to make up for that time to hit the deadline that the studio had to get the movie out where it was supposed to be. Why can't you just push movies back? Put them out when they're done. Like video games. I think there's more money wrapped up into the films than video games. I could be mistaken about that, but I think there is a drive to have income coming in, especially with the dearth of movie theaters and movies during the pandemic i think some studios are really starting to hurt monetarily so i'm just guessing that's a guess i'm guessing that's why they were pushing this out but especially with work from home maybe people just didn't have the proprietary software or they didn't have a way to protect it or their computers weren't good enough i don't know but they had enough time to actually throw this out and do it correctly and they didn't If you're working from home, then the studio needs to provide you with a machine, with a proprietary software, at least with the software, to be able to get things done. If the studio has made the decision that they're going to let the storyboards take this long past the storyboard deadline, then they either need to suck it up and put the movie out late or hire more people to get the thing done because it's animation. You know, it's not like you have to have the same actor to play the role. You can have different people animate the thing and do the art to have the same look and have it be done. I think that gets into the second news story here where you, as a studio, might not want to employ that many people. Yes, the second story here. Secret Invasion's opening credit scene was AI made, and here's why. That is the headlines wording. Not mine. Ali Salim tells Polygon that the intro sequence was designed by Method Studios using artificial intelligence, something he thinks plays with the very themes of the show. Method Studios stated that no artist jobs were replaced by incorporating these new tools. The statement notes that they were seeking on otherworldly and alien look, which they achieved by utilizing a custom AI tool for this project. I cannot believe I got through reading all of that without throwing up a little bit. Part of what goes in here, yes, you could conceivably say that this is a giant meta commentary on you have no idea what is happening in the world of the show, and nothing is as it seems. It's all weird and wonky. And I don't believe that that was their thought process in making it for half a second. For further thoughts, we throw it to Agent Lauren. (laughs) Okay, I... 
I have a lot of thoughts that are kind of connected about this and the Spider-Verse artist story. So a lot has been said in the past year about, oh, AI is not going to take your job. AI is a tool. Yeah, AI should be a tool. It's, it should be a tool to help you make art. Like I have a friend that uses it because they have issues with their hands now and can no longer make the visual, you know, art that they want. So they use it to, they have fed their own art into it and they use that kind of just for their own satisfaction because they're like, I get to make this art again that I never thought I would. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with people training art on their own artwork. However, this is a very close thing to me because I am, I do voice work. I do audiobooks, and there's been a lot of cases recently of people who have decided to not hire voice artists to do their audiobooks because, hey, this AI will do it for free, or people having their voices licensed without their knowledge and against their will. And again, if somebody licenses their voice, okay, fine. Like James Earl Jones licensing his voice for the specific purpose of being used as Darth Vader. No problem with that. But in a time where we are more aware than ever of the employers, the large studio systems, not valuing the work of their artists, whether it's, you know, in terms of the, the opening credits. They're saying, oh, no jobs were lost. Well, compare the credits for things like She-Hulk and the credits for Secret Invasion. Look how many names are not there. That's how many jobs are not there. In terms of the artists being chewed up and spit out for visual effects, Amy Pascal, the head of Sony, is quoted in that article as saying, well, suck it up. This is what it means to make movies. Probably not a direct quote because I am very angry. But the thing is, I follow so many artists, comic book artists, storyboard artists, animators, and they stay on these projects under nightmare conditions because this is their passion. And for them to leave a project means it's beyond even that. And right now, in conjunction with, you know, the, w- the WGA strike and the studio basically threatening to use AI to write scripts, which, by the way, terrible idea, it is becoming really clear how little artists are valued in that system, despite being the thing that people connect with. People connect with visuals, people connect with writing, people connect with acting, people connect, people connect with everything except the behind the scenes. What are we, you know, what are we spending money on? People don't connect with that. It's like, what would you say it is you do here? I'm on record as saying that I am concerned about the creator's rights that the AI is being trained on. I was going to say art, but it's really more than that. But as we go forward, I think AI involved as a tool in creation is going to be standard. I think it's just going to be another part as we go forward. Like when animation started, you had people actually physically drawing each panel. Like you go back to Dumbo and Sleeping Beauty and, and Cinderella. You know, they're this classic Disney looks at the animation that they used to do and then we brought in graphic computing and it took it to another level i think this is another level i still think that the artist's talents that it's trained on need to be compensated for that and then is it in perpetuity is it for as long as the artist is alive if the artist is teaching art at a school and transferring their talents to somebody new is that the same as an AI? 
I don't know the answers to any of this. I know it's got to be worked out, but I think it will be worked out. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to work out well for the artists. I think the companies are going to try to take as many rights as they can. So it's not going to be pretty, but it is going to happen. So it's uh, terrible to watch happen. And the only thing that we can do as, as uh, consumers is just not watch the stuff that they're putting out. Like in this case, the credits, the intro credits, I was looking at them going, say what? This doesn't make any sense to me. And I was going through my mind as I was watching it of, okay, what are they trying to tell me with the credits? But I just, I, I couldn't go get there. I'm like, this, this is just meaningless to me. And maybe it's because I'm terrible at seeing abstract art. I like abstract art. It ain't it. <laughs> yeah. I did not like these credits whatsoever. This is going to be a continued thing. We're going to continue to talk about it on the show. It's because it's going to be a continual thing. We've gone from terrible working conditions to now they're going to supplant that with AI. And how are they going to compensate people for it? A lot of people need to realize AI has to have a source. It doesn't create on its own. It's like a little child has to learn from somewhere for example i read an article where someone made a bot watch a thousand hours of olive garden commercials and make a script from all of that to do a commercial it is hilarious and i'm really because it just it makes absolutely no sense but then it does because it's olive garden and you know, if you know stuff about Olive Garden, you know, eat all the stick. Anyway, look, look it up and see how ridiculous it is. And everyone needs to realize that artists have websites and they have like watermarked their art because it's like, hey, you want to buy this print of mine that I've done myself? The problem is, where did that AI get that information? Did Marvel say, okay, you can look at our comics from here and that's where you get it? Did it just mine the entire internet and came up with this? And if it mined the entire internet, whose artwork did it steal? Because that's what happens. It looks everywhere and it looks through pictures as well and comes up with something. They look at all the AIs like a we created the like what each country would look like if it was a woman or something and it got fed information about the country and pictures of you know native people from that country it has to be fed and where is the source so i want to know where the source was for the credits for secret invasion generally that's called training data by the way yeah if we take, let's say we take the most optimistic opinion here. Okay, maybe this was genuinely, oh, we want to make a point. Take them at face value. At the very least, this is a terrible, terrible time to do that. Well, the decision to make that that way was probably done a long time ago. I don't know exactly when, but I'm thinking it's more than a year ago before this became such a discussion point so i don't know if they learned their lesson or whatever we'll just see as i said this is going to be a continued discussion because this is not the first time this is going to pop up so we'll watch this as we go along with everything else so lauren something else happened in the past week yeah so sad news john ramita senior who was a very very influential artist for marvel died at age 93 Earlier this week, his son, John Romita Jr., who also works for Marvel and, to be frank, whose work I enjoy a lot less, announced it on Twitter. Very sorry. Hope that his family is dealing as well as they can. So Romita is probably best known for his run on Spider-Man at the very, very start of, like, of Spider-Man. He co-created Characters like Mary Jane Watson, Kingpin. He contributed to the design of Luke Cage, The Punisher, Wolverine. And Marvel would not be nearly as popular without 
both the characters that he co-created and the look of particularly Spider-Man. You still have, you know, in the comics, John Romita hasn't been drawing Spider-Man in, you know, ages, but the still running newspaper comics are still done in his style. It says a lot. Yeah, a lot of the iconic covers of Spider-Man, the first one that I think of is big old red Spider-Man kind of just standing in the background and just regular human Peter Parker sadly walking back toward us, the reader. Those iconic covers are, I mean, that that's John Romita Sr. That's the influence of everything being in there, and it's a big loss. Yeah, sadly, as we go forward, we're going to continue to, we've already lost so many, but we're going to continue to lose the original creators as, as we go on. It's, I don't know if there's too many left from way back when, but yeah, it's a sad loss, but uh, people continue to go on and enjoy his work, basically, because the books are available and the digital copies are available. Unfortunately, I don't know who's going to be compensated for that dovetailing onto the previous discussion, but at least they're available. All right, Chris, what do you got for us? I think we just need to go grab some popcorn because, yeah, why not? Such a humanizing moment for Director Hill. Thank you, everybody, for listening and watching us. We really appreciate you continuing to be involved in our discussions, whether it's here on a Discord server. As a reminder, there are other shows on the Gunna Geek Network, our home network. There is Smoking and Drinking and Capes. They are running down all of Heroes. They just finished season one of Heroes. They're doing it in conjunction with Smoking and Drinking in Space. So every week is a new episode. They're taking about six episodes. They just finished season one. Looking forward to their coverage as the series continues to degrade over the next four seasons. So we'll see about that. There is also the Capes on the Couch podcast. And then I keep on forgetting. What's that other one? I think it starts with a P. Uh, what is that? Um, is it Ploy? No. Oh, yeah. Play Comics podcast with Chris, where he mashes up comics and video games. So you can check all those out at gunnageek.com. Thank you to everyone who interacts with us, especially on Discord. We have a lively Discord. We have a spoiler channel. So if you watch Secret Invasion and you want to talk about it right away, just go to our spoiler channel and spoil away. We would really love to hear your opinions on Secret Invasion. Good, bad, complicated, whatever. Thank you for coming along with us on this journey. Let's see where it goes. Choices were made. Just like the choice you could make to go check out Play Comics, which is a little bit more happy right now. Although I am sad that the focus of the next episode to get released as we're recording this Magic Knight Ray Earth is a probably $8,000 game by now, and I will never own it. But you can hear about it once I get the episode published, which should be by tomorrow as we record this. Looking forward to listening to something as I drive. All right. Until next time, I'm Director SP. I'm Agent Lauren. I'm Agent Michelle. And I'm Agent Chris. See everybody next time. Season one, episode two and three of Secret Invasion. Bye. Bye bye. Bye. Okay. Which one are your scrolls? Which one are you your scrolls? Tell me. It's tell me now. It's me. Dang it. Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of Shield, or Gunna Geek. Agents of Shield is the property of the Disney Corporation. 
Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2023.